Hello and welcome back to Franklin Covey's twice weekly podcast on leadership with Scott Miller. That's me. I'm your host now for six years running nearly 350 episodes taped twice weekly, Tuesdays and Fridays, where we bring you episodes, both audio and video, where we try to shine the spotlight on people that can make you a more effective leader. Franklin Covey, of course, the global and most trusted leadership firm in the world, we like to bring an abundance mentality, not just shine a spotlight on our own thought leaders and authors, but on people who are doing remarkable things out there in the industry to make you a better leader, a better colleague, a better individual contributor. Although our podcast is called On Leadership, has a broad definition. We sometimes speak with marketing experts, people who are experts in interpersonal communication, how to be a better presenter, how to be a better human. We also like to discuss issues like AI, Six Sigma, lean manufacturing, perhaps items where you may have a nuanced interest that will make you and your organization more impactful, which is why today we have perhaps what is our youngest guest to date. His name is Gabe Dannenbring. You may know him if you follow TikTok or Instagram as one of the most influential educators on the platform. He is an educator from South Dakota where he teaches middle school science. He has over 2 million followers across all of his platforms. You also may know him as a recent star of Netflix reality series, Surviving Paradise. We've brought him here today to learn about all things social media. Whether you are holdout and don't yet exactly know how to start or want to start, whether you are perhaps midway through your social media experience or perhaps you're seasoned, and want to take it to the next level, you will be riveted by today's conversation from a guy who's made more mistakes than all of us put together, but has also found some things that are effective in, in, in balancing your social presence. To that point, Gabe, welcome to On Leadership. Scott, I'm so happy to be here. You know, it's funny just how far I would say our friendship has come where, you know, we got introduced, shoot, what was it? Three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. I always remember sitting on uh, I was sitting on a couch in Okaboji, Iowa, and I get a strange DM from a very strange, strange man. And all it said was, how can I hire you? And I was like, huh, <laughs> this creepy. is either going to be a great story or one that I will want to erase from my mind forever. And it turned out it was you. And then all of a sudden we started sharing some messages. I gave you a quick Google search, you know, looked at your social media, which I thought needed a bit of a facelift. And then... <laughs> I don't know, some 30 minutes later, we hop on a Zoom call and then you say, hey, I'm gonna send you out to Salt Lake City to come meet me and my team. And I thought, all right, once again, this is either gonna be a great story or one I'm gonna hopefully soon forget. So Scott, it's awesome to finally be on your show. And uh, I gotta thank you for everything that you've done for me in terms of leadership, you know, through the conversations we've had, as well as just the amazing podcast that you have here. Nice recovery. You opened this with, I offered to hire you off the internet. So I thank you for <laughs> clarifying that, Gabe Danabring. Gabe, you are a TikTok and Instagram sensation. It's how I learned of you, right? As I was looking to increase the social media influence that Franklin Covey's thought leaders had. Mine have been kind of limping along for three or four years. And I I was watching, I actually was following you. I don't know how. You kept appearing in my Instagram feed. Your content was so unique and so genuine and so visually engaging that, you know, you would appear in my feed every couple of days for a few months. And then I realized that people in my life also knew who you were. And then, so I reached out to you and you were so gracious to respond. Like you said, we've had some great projects we've worked on and we'll work on in the future as well. Gabe, I brought you here because I want you to give 
a masterclass today in social media. I want you to talk to everybody at every level about what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, dispel some maybe misnomers. You aren't an expert on all platforms. You tend to have the largest impact on Instagram and on TikTok, but we'll talk about that in a few moments. Would you rewind a little bit Explain, defend why the hell you're living in South Dakota in the middle of the winter. Talk a little bit about your own academic journey, your profession, and we'll get into some things social media related. Well, you know, Scott, let, let's start way back when I was but a child. No, I'm kidding. I won't go that far back. But um, yeah, so I live in South Dakota. Uh, believe it or not, we do have people up here. Uh, I don't ride a horse to school. And yes, Mount Rushmore is in fact in South Dakota and not in Washington, D.C., uh, shocker. Yes, even though all the educated people that listen to this, some might have thought that the, that was in fact in D.C. But, you know, my social media journey, it all happened by accident. And, you know, let's fast uh, rewind, actually. Let's rewind when uh, COVID hit. I was going to school in Fargo, North Dakota, going to college, loved living up there. And all of a sudden COVID hit and it shut my life down. I had just graduated from, from college, got my undergrad, just started my master's degree, all of the jobs I had lined up disappeared one day, just gone, because that little thing called the COVID virus all of a sudden showed up. So then I was forced to move back into South Dakota, lived in my parents' basement at 21 years old. I didn't, I was broke, I, I had nothing. I was working landscaping with my dad and teaching a tumbling class at my mom's dance studio. And then on a whim, I got a teaching job in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and then that's when my life really started to, to change, where one day it was a really boring day in class. Morale was low. We were at the peak of COVID in terms of, hey, now we're back in school. What do we do? How do we operate? Morale around the country was low. Morale in education was even lower. And one day we're sitting there in class and I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to surprise my students and play this review game with them. And this review game has a very familiar soundtrack. It's called Kahoot. And if you've ever if you've ever played Kahoot, you'll know what it is. And I took my phone, I set it on my my computer just so the camera was facing me. I hit play on the game. They hear the soundtrack. The kids lose their minds. They go crazy. And I was like, oh, that was kind of a funny video. Later that night, I'm going on a date with my fiance or my then girlfriend, now fiance. And I was looking at this video thinking, man, that's kind of a funny video. Maybe I should post it. So I post it. And then as the night goes on, she keeps seeing these TikTok notifications on my screen. And she said, oh, why are you getting these TikTok notifications? What's going on? And I said, oh, I posted a video. It's kind of funny. Let's see how many views it's at. A couple hours go by, 1,000 views. Oh, wow, that's awesome. At the time, I had eight followers, 1,000 views. Cool, whatever. The night keeps going on. 10,000 views, 20,000, 100,000 keeps going. That night we checked, we're like, oh my gosh, it's up to a million views. That's awesome. Fast forward 24 hours later, it gets up to 40 million views in 24 hours. It just blew up. And I remember thinking, okay, this worked one time. Let's try making another video. Put out another video, another couple million views, another video, more and more and more. And now here we are four years later after that video, and it has completely changed my life. That one video changed my life. And it wasn't just the, I'm not just riding the wave off of that video now, it's been hundreds of videos since, but it's built this uh, 2 million person following that I have now between TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, you know, growing YouTube. So it all just changed overnight for me. Gabe, uh, 
rewind a little bit. By day, you are what as an educator? And talk about the nature of your content as people are interested now, they're Googling you, and then they want to subscribe. Why, why would someone, what are you by day? And talk about the content of your social. Yeah, so I'm a seventh grade science teacher. I am as average as they come, and I just make videos about what it's like to be a teacher, funny things that kids do, funny things that teachers do. And the great thing about my content is it relates to everybody. You don't have to only be a teacher to like my videos. You don't only have to be a middle schooler to like my videos. I'm always amazed at how many people will stop me in public and say, hey, I love your videos. And I response is usually, oh, thank you. Are you a teacher? And they say, no, I'm an accountant. I'm like, oh, interesting. You still find my content interesting and you have nothing to do with education. So it's a lot of comedy. Uh, around things that you see in the classroom, funny things that kids say, funny things that they do, weird things that they do, especially because I teach middle schoolers. And teachers are just as weird. And I can say that because I am a teacher. Us teachers, we do weird things. So it's fun to poke fun at everybody. And it's all very PG content. It's all clean. And that's one of the reasons why it's given me a lot more opportunities. And now I do the social media stuff. You know, the reality show has all of a sudden happened. I do keynotes all over the country talking to educators and really just trying to be a positive light to the world of education because it's a really tough world right now in education. Teachers are struggling. Students are struggling. And they just want somebody that can relate to them. They just want somebody that they can watch a quick 30-second video and say, that happened to my classroom today. I can relate to that. That's funny because it makes them feel sane. Well, I can relate, right? I have no connection to K-12 education other than being the parent of three young boys. But I found your content to be so wholesome and funny and self-deprecating. I mean, you, you, you will post a video, the eight things the students made fun of that I'm wearing today, all right? Or all the way, the, the 10 ways the boys in eighth grade or ninth grade try to dunk a bat, try to dunk a uh, uh, you know a piece of garbage. It's, it's actually great stuff that is that I think is energy infusing, as opposed to the vitriol we may see on social media that is energy depleting. Gabe, I want to get tactical because I think you can offer a lot of our listeners and viewers some advice on what to do. Before I do that, what what's been the mood of the principal, the superintendent, the school board. I mean, you have become arguably the nation's most prominent, I'd say, educator on TikTok and Instagram. You're not teaching pedagogy. You aren't teaching teaching techniques per se. What's been the response, positive and negative, from the education community? I've been so pleasantly surprised. It's been overwhelmingly positive. I've had such few negative interactions with my coworkers and my superiors. Uh, I, my, my principal, he, he's worked with me for a while on this stuff, and he knows that everything I do with my social media, I do with the intent of bringing positivity to education. And they buy into that. And I've really made sure that I articulate that to them and let them know that, hey, I'm trying to bring positivity to the world of education. And as teachers, we are called to be leaders. People want teachers to be leaders. And when this all first started happening to me, I all of a sudden developed this giant basket of followers on social media. And I thought to myself, okay, I can either be a leader online and show students that you can have a large following, make money off of it, work with 
Fortune 500 companies get brand deals with you know massive, massive companies and have clean content. That was option one. Or option two is I put my head in the sand. I act like social media doesn't exist. And then we don't ever really have those true conversations with students about, hey, here are the good and the bad parts of social media. Because it's a new job now. Social media is a true job. Being an influencer is a job. And it's much like the kids of old, they would all say they want to be an NBA player or they want to be an NFL player or play in the WNBA. Now you're hearing kids say, I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be a TikToker. I want to be an Instagram star. And as a teacher, I can have those conversations with them because I've lived it. I've experienced it. I know what it's like. So because of those reasons, I think my school has really bought in on it. They know that I'm going to keep things clean. And the second that I fly too close to the sun, they're going to tell me. They're going to say, hey, you got to knock that off. This is no longer making educators look in a positive light. Gabe, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm very excited for your success. You have uh, been able to monetize positive, fun, energy-infusing videos into brand deals, ambassadorships, reality series, keynotes. My sense is you have a book in you that we'll talk about potentially even later, a kind of a how-to social media book. I'm super proud of you and the path that you've taken. Let's level set on some social media ideas, right? There is still a large segment of the world that is only holding a negative view of social media, right? It's all this vitriol or it's bad news and such. And, and I think I understand why some segment still holds that. So there's a, lot of, um, there's a lot of negativity on social media. Just like there is negativity in print magazines and print newspapers and perhaps on billboards, but the fact of the matter is, if you own a business, if you are a creator, if you are an inventor, if you are an orthodontist, if, you're own a, if you own a flower shop, if you have an Etsy store, if you want to have a garage sale, if you're in any way an entrepreneur, a founder, an owner, or might ever want to be one, social media is the new billboard, side of the bus, park bench advertisement. It is the new print and digital ad that you might have seen in the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times. It is a medium that you cannot escape it's just a matter of finding your voice in it. How would you speak to the listeners and viewers that might say, no, I don't want to go there. It's toxic. It's, 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 it's vitriolic. It's negative. I don't want any part of social media. What would you say to that? Here's what I'll say to that. Scott, have you ever been on a subway in New York City? Yes. Yes. Have you only heard positive things being said on a subway in New York City? No. No? Okay, so you've heard some negativity. All right, let's stop having subways in New York City. That's preposterous. There's your fix. There's negativity. Let's stop it. That's my point I'm trying to make is even though there are negative parts about it, there are so many positives. There are so many things in this world that we live in that, yeah, there are some negativity and some negative things that come with it. But you make that decision. Are you going to focus on the negatives or are you going to try to find the positives? And social media, it is here to stay. It is not going to go anywhere. Social media is so big right now, and the money that is tied to it, it will never disappear. So much like teachers, you have a decision to make. Are you going to put your head down in the sand and act like this isn't a world that exists right underneath our noses? Or are we going to approach it head on? 
and say, hey, you know what, let's be a leader. Let's be on the forefront of creating a culture online that will truly make a, a positive impact for all the generations to come. Yeah, there's definitely some negative stuff that are on there. And, and I'm lying to you if I say the negative stuff haven't sometimes gotten to me. Uh, Scott, you called me out the other day. You texted me. There was a video that I put out. I had hundreds of positive comments, hundreds. There were maybe a handful of negative ones, and I responded to a negative comment. And you're the first person to text me with a screenshot and say, why are you focusing on the negative here? Who cares about the trolls? And as humans, we want to focus so much on the negative. You know, if there's hundreds of hundreds of comments that are good and you have one negative one, we're going to just stay fixed on that. And we need to stop that as humans. We need to stop just focusing on the negative and look at the positive. Now, am I saying that social media has things that, uh, some of the negativity we should never address? No, we absolutely should. We 100% need to address some of the negatives, but it's part of life now. And there's so much money that can be made for companies if they just dive into it. And because you dive into social media, it doesn't mean you sell your soul. It doesn't mean now you have to be raunchy online or you have to do uh, PG-13 rated R content. No, you don't. I make content about what it's like to be a teacher and it has changed my life. So other companies, they can do that as well. They can realize, hey, I can make positive things about our brand and it's gonna elevate the brand to a new level because there are so many millions of people that are on social media that that's where they're consuming all of their advertising or that's where they're consuming uh, new ideas. That's where they're seeing it. So if you wanna get into that game, the best time to do it is yesterday. You gotta get into it as soon as you possibly can. Gabe, let's segment this next part of our conversation into three tranches. I'd like you first to speak to the people who haven't yet fully leveraged social media. Maybe they're on it and they're looking at their you know, children's photographs or they're connecting with their aunt or posting vacation stuff, but they wanna find a way to use social media to either A, monetize their business further, build their brand, or perhaps it's to pursue a mission. Not everyone's on social to make money. We get that, right? In many ways, it's to pursue a mission. So first, I want you to share some practical uh, advice on how to get started. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about those who are using social, but they want to supercharge it, and then those who have been using it but want to bring it to a higher level. So maybe like the, the yet to start, the middle to beginners, and those who perhaps want to take it to the next level. First, let's talk about people who are new and aren't quite sure where to start on TikTok or Instagram. What are the differences? What are some of the rules? Spend a few minutes just kind of meandering around how to get started. Which platform is best for which person? Yeah, uh, so each platform is different. And I, I'm very surprised at how different each platform is. So let's look at TikTok. TikTok has a uh, audience that will age or range from the age of, let's say, 13 to 50, about 50. That's about the, the high end that you'll see on TikTok. And if you just want to get into TikTok, first thing that you do is start making videos. Start making videos that you find entertaining to yourself. So uh, what I like to do when I start coming up with ideas for videos, I look at what other people are doing. I start scrolling, looking at what other people are doing, looking at, okay, what are they doing that is grabbing my attention? How can I take their idea, or not their ideas, but take their um, maybe cadence, maybe the way that they hold the phone, maybe the way that they are transitioning between clips. 
How can I use that and then put it with my content? So then you have to think about, all right, who is the audience I'm trying to reach? What, what can I do? So let's say the audience you're trying to reach are people that are 25 to 35 years old. And I want to talk about my company and we make cupcakes, let's say for the sake of example. So you have to start with a very specific niche first. It's way better to start at a, a, a specific niche and then br branch out as opposed to the other way around. You don't want to start talking about everything under the sun and then start talking about selling your cupcakes. So there's so many little tips and tricks that you can do. So one of the things that I've learned with TikTok is the hashtags that you use are so important because these algorithms, they want to give specific videos to certain people. So if you make a video that has no hashtags on it, you're gonna put it out to thousands of people right away. And the people that it's going out to, Insta or TikTok doesn't know who they're really sending it out to. So how the algorithm works is they will look at how many people interact with the video right away. If nobody interacts with the video right away, then that video is dead to them. They're not gonna pump it out to any more streams. But all of a sudden, if that video goes out and it's getting interacted with by a bunch of people, it'll bring it to another tier of people and then another tier of people. So when you have the right hashtags on there, it drops the video off in the correct box. So you would, if you're making cupcakes, do hashtag baking, hashtag cupcake challenge, hashtag um, cupcakes are us, whatever it is. And then that's going to start putting it in the correct box. So on Instagram, it's also very similar, but there's some sins that I see that are going on on people trying to make their videos on TikTok and bring them over to Instagram. One of the things that you have to do is use the in-app uh, text that is on each different platform because these algorithms can read this, the text that you are typing into your phone. So if you just have a video with no text on it, then, then the algorithm isn't going to know where to put it. Where if you put a caption on the very top that says, I love cupcakes or cupcake baking challenge. Then all of a sudden the algorithm can read that and say, let's give it to these people. Let's give it to these people and avoid giving it to people who only want to watch sport videos. They don't care about your cupcakes right now. You can get to them later, but right now that's not your audience. You want to start so specific so then you can get your product out to everybody. Gabe, dispel the rumor or the, the circumstance that TikTok is about dancing. Because some people still think that. If you're not dancing in a video, yeah. I would never use a TikTok video. For some, that's preposterous. Yeah. For others, that's kind of what they associate with. Mm -hmm. I've got 1.6 million followers on TikTok, and I've never once done a dance. Never once. These apps are so good at getting you to the content you want to see. They are so good at almost reading your mind and realizing, oh my gosh, this John John Doe over here, he really likes learning about camera equipment. So what are you gonna see on his feed? A whole bunch of stuff about cameras. So these, these apps are so, so good at pinpointing what you want to watch and giving that to you. That's why it can be so addicting. Gabe, how does someone start? You, I, I, whenever I hear someone tell me they're a social media expert, to me, I immediately relegate them to the trash heap because it's such an art. Unless you're working inside of Instagram or at TikTok or Facebook or LinkedIn, you don't know what the real science is. We hear post at this time on this date. 
You should post, you know, three times a day. Gary Vaynerchuk would say, I don't know, post 40 times a day. Others would say, you know, post longer form, shorter form. Has anything in your experience proven to be generally good advice if you're going to post video? By the way, we hear video, of course, is king on social media. Are there some links, time of days, days of weeks? What have you learned to be thus far true for you? Yeah. If, if you're trying to get started, post a lot of videos. If you post five videos a day, go for it. Because eventually, one of those videos will probably get kicked into the algorithm. And uh, now it'll be blown up to potentially millions of people. And that will drive those people to your platform. And as your content or your following starts to grow, that's when you start to tailor off a little bit and less is more. Uh, in terms of time of day, just think about when are people on their phones? Are people on their phones at 3 a.m.? No, they're not, they're asleep. When I like to post my videos for my audience, which is mostly people that are 25 to 45 years old, I post it, uh, try to get a video out at 4.30 central time. So then when they get home from work, or if they're in the car waiting to pick up their kids, when they're sitting there on their phone, they can look at those videos. Or at night, when they are laying in bed getting ready to go to sleep, they have my videos right there. Where if I would post a video at 1 a.m. in the morning, there isn't gonna be many people interacting with it, which means the algorithm will read that and think, wow, this is not a very good video. Let's stop showing it to people. So the time that you post it definitely matters. So let's say you post one early in the morning at 10.30. Okay, if it's a short, quick video, that might be a good 10.30 a.m. video to post. But let's say it's a two minute long, very in-depth discussion over something that's very serious. Most people at 1030 in the morning are at a desk at their job and they don't have time to watch that long of a video. They might be sitting in the break room where they just want to watch something that will make them laugh. So if you're posting a short video that is short, sweet, to the point, very entertaining, post that in the morning. If you want to post something that's a long form video, then post that in the evening when people have more time to sit there and think about what they're watching. Gabe, what's your sweet spot? And when, when do you, you told us when you posted, but generally, do you have a certain uh, style, a certain duration? You have a cadence mm -hmm. in how you, how you speak. What have you learned to have worked for you? Yeah, I've learned that when you start building an audience, you want to give them what they're used to. So all of my videos start off with me, or nearly all my videos start off with me saying something like, Here's how different teachers act on a Friday, or here are the different things that my students said. And I have so many videos that start off that way. So my audience knows when they see my video, they, they're used to the repetition. They know what they're gonna get with me. They're not gonna see me all of a sudden driving a fast car because it's gonna be weird to them. They want, they want to feel comfortable. So what I like to do is post about that 5.30 p.m. Central Time, start with the video, have my face first right away, and then go into some of the characters that I play or go into some of the storytelling that I do. Um, and then right now I post about a video a day. Sometimes I'll post two, but about one video is about all that I like to do. I do that maybe four to five times a week because I view it sometimes as less is more once you start having a large following because I want quality over quantity. But for people that are just getting started, post a bunch, keep it going, post a lot, a lot, a lot of videos. So then the algorithm will pick it up and it'll draw, drive traction to your platform. 
Gabe, what would you say to someone who's got a social media following, they're using it to either pursue a certain mission, grow their brand, grow their business, they've got you know, a base of followers, but they're kind of stuck. Their, their, their likes, their comments, their shares, what, however it is they're choosing to measure engagement, which I say that because you know, I, like you, am on multiple platforms, and I uh, sell books and have a talent agency, and I like to promote this podcast, usually multiple times a day. I find that on Facebook and Instagram and on LinkedIn, there's no correlation between the number mm-hmm. of comments I have and the likes I have and the number of people that see it. Because I'll, I, I can't go to a restaurant in town. I'm a fairly public person in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I can't go to the grocery store or church or the country club or a restaurant, and someone will say to me, oh, how is the new car? Or I hear your mom's moving. Or I'm sorry you had a flood. And I'm thinking, wait, that got like four likes, but it was seen. Mm-hmm. I, I don't take any correlation with the number of likes or the number of comments and how many people saw that video or post and the impressions it made on them. Do you think that's unique to me or do you find that with you as well? I think that's everybody, Scott. And there's a lot to unpack there. So one of the things that happens a lot to creators is if they don't see massive growth all the time, they start feeling down in the dumps. And I've been there. I've had times where I'll post a video and the minimum threshold that I want on TikTok is 100,000 views. And I might post a video and it gets 30,000 views. And I've had nights where I'm sitting there in bed thinking my career is over. It's done. (laughs) I'm washed up. I'm a has-been. My students are right. I've only made one good video ever. Sometimes they'll say that to me. It's funny. Uh, But uh, then all of a sudden, a week later, I make a video, million views. And that just shows me that it is a roller coaster. There's going to be times that you get stuck. I've had times uh, about a month ago or two months ago now that I was just stuck. I didn't feel like I was being very creative. I was struggling. My videos were just kind of doing okay. And then all of a sudden, the views kicked back up. My content started doing good again. And each platform is so different. And it gets so frustrating. And it's okay to be frustrated by some of this because I had one video that I put on TikTok. It gets 75,000 views below the threshold that I want. I put the same video on Instagram, one and a half million views. So that made me really confused. What is it? Is it a mediocre video or is it a great video? And that's a common thing that you see. So for those of you who are listening to this thinking, I've been stuck at the same 2,000 views for months now, you got to keep going. You got to keep going because eventually those videos will start to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it'll bring your following way up. And the thing that people also have to do is start evolving their content because social media is changing all the time. The game has changed for me so much now versus what it was four years ago. So sometimes you do have to look in the mirror and say, all right, is my content truly entertaining? What can I do to fix it? What are things I can do to give it a little shot in the arm to try to drive up engagement on it? And one of the things that is extremely valuable is a small following that is extremely loyal. That is so important. I saw a video about uh, a TikToker who he's got, I think, 15 million followers. And he pumped, the number was, he he said, $50,000 into a a short film that he made. And he thought all of his followers were going to watch it. Nobody bought tickets. He lost a bunch of money off it. And he thought to himself, I've got these millions of followers, but they're not willing to pay a little bit of money to watch this video of mine that I made and pumped all this money into. And on the other side of things, you might have somebody that has 
20,000 followers, but my goodness, that is a loyal fan base. They will have your back. So even if you have a small following, if they are loyal, that is so, so valuable. Gabe, I've really come around the last few years to realize this is an industry. This isn't mm -hmm. a fad. This isn't a pastime. This is a legitimate, credible industry where people have been able to monetize their own content. I was taping a video, I tape a daily video on all my platforms around different concepts from a book that I've written about careers that's coming out. And I passed someone on the street with my, my selfie stick and he's asked me if I was a content creator. And I thought, <laughs> I, and I thought he asked me, he said, are you a content creator? This was the guy that was my age. And I thought, well, I've never thought of myself of that. But I thought, yes, that's exactly what I am. I'm a content creator hopefully adding value to people from my own insight and also monetizing it to pay for my kids' braces. You've done an extraordinarily great job at monetizing your content. I'm not sure most people know. I have a couple clients that TikTok pays them $20,000 a month just to produce content. You mm -hmm. obviously, your full-time job and your your day-to-day -day passion is you know, a teacher and educator for these students in South Dakota. You have other things you do. What are the things you've done to keep the main thing the main thing, which is your career? You obviously make by multiples more in other areas than you do as an educator. What have you done that, that are kind of universal principles to monetize your content as a content creator, as an influencer? Yeah, well, I, I want to first say that I'm just imagining you walking down the street and someone saying, are you a content creator? And you not knowing how to respond to that. So knowing you, I just, I, I would love to know what was inside your head when, when they asked you that. Um, but for me, I always make sure that when I make content, what's at the forefront is making entertaining content. It isn't making um, content to get paid. Because once you start focusing on the money, that's when your content starts to go down. So I always make sure that in my life, I first focus on being a teacher. That's my job. I am there to be a professional. It is not fair to the kids I'm teaching or to the parents if I all of a sudden start lacking in my job as an educator so I can start focusing on making some money because of my social media. So I always make sure that I focus on my job first. After my job is done, then I think about, okay, what videos can I make that my audience is going to want to see? Because they're the ones that are watching. I have to think about my audience. What are they going to see? Luckily for me, most of my audience is having the same day-to-day -day structure that I'm having. I'm still a teacher. I've, I've seen some other teacher influencers who, once they start making it big and start making a little bit of money, the first thing they do, they quit their job as a teacher and think, oh my gosh, I can do, I can make content and everyone's going to love it. And then they're not a teacher. Now they're not relatable to their audience. And then their audience feels like they are almost selling them snake oil, disguising themselves as a teacher when they're really not. So I always make sure that I focus on my job, focus on the content and any of the positives that come from it afterwards. Awesome. I'll take it. Um, so that's kind of my, my thought process on that, on that. Let's talk about your reality show appearance. Obviously, from your influence on these platforms, you were offered a spot on Netflix's recent release, Surviving Paradise. Talk about that. I mean, you, it's interesting. You actually joined mid-season, and no spoiler alert, it's the, the show is out now. Talk about what that was like. How is it different taping it from what you see in your home? 
what were some lessons you learned from being one of the cast members on Surviving Paradise? I, I learned so many lessons. One about the entertainment industry and the other about myself. When I was getting ready for the show, I think it was arrogance that got in the way because I kept thinking, you know what? I'm used to having a large audience. I'm used to having millions of people watch my videos and everybody has loved me in my videos. So the audience that is gonna watch this reality show, they're gonna love me just as much. That wasn't the case. Um, they painted me out to be a very cutthroat game player, which I definitely am. In real life, I am a psycho competitor. I love to win, but I hate to lose. And that's one of the things that really fuels me. So when I went on that show, they definitely edited some things around to, to make me one-dimensional because reality TV does that. They make people one-dimensional. I tell people that uh, reality TV is a lot like WWE, where WWE, yeah, they're real people, but there's a story that they're telling, just like reality TV. So when I went on the show and I watched it, I thought to myself, wow, this was a really good show. I think I did a really good job. People will appreciate the fact that I am a very intense game player and I play to win. Um, all of a sudden, some of my social media started flooding and I was getting comments and messages of some of the just most outrageous negative things that anybody's ever said. I've had some people wishing that my father would get cancer. So people were giving me death threats and it was really hard because I would have one message that would say, oh my gosh, I love you so much on the show. And then the next message is just wishing the m worst things ever on me. And my fiance, who is so great, I was talking with her about that. And she said, wait a second, how many followers did you gain? I said, well, across all platforms, you probably gained 90,000, 100,000 followers across all of them. And she said, okay, how many likes are you getting on your videos? Talked about it. And she said, when people like somebody on a reality show or a movie, or if they play on a sport team, their way of showing them encouragement is not giving them a comment or sending them a message. It's just hitting that follow button. And it showed me that it is so hard to show people love on social media, but unbelievably easy to show negativity. And I was talking with my dad about the same situation, and he stopped me in the, in the middle of my conversation and said, Gabe, you're not that special. And I, I was very taken back by it. And I said, Dad, what do you mean? That isn't making me feel better. And he said, you're not that special in a way of they're going to say something negative to you, and then the next person, and the next person, and the next person. You are just a drop in their bucket. And that's what really made me feel like I was okay. And then I went back, watched the uh, series for a second time, and realized, yeah, maybe a few things I would do differently. But ultimately, I did a good job on the show. And I can go to sleep at night knowing, hey, I did a good job. I think I represented well. And it's opened up more opportunities. So I probably wasn't that bad of a person if people are following me more after the show and opening up more doors for me. Gabe, what do you say to those that have listened to this interview for the last 40 minutes and say, good grief, followers and likes and shares and videos and time and I need more followers, I need more followers, I need more followers. And they think, good grief, we've lost society, interpersonal communication, face-to-face -face contact. You represent to some people probably the scourge of the internet because you're focused on monetizing it. Of course, that's preposterous. But, you know, you know, I think every one of us thinks and believes that at the end of the day, being with people face-to-face -face and having great conversations and caring for people is what humanity is about. 
Where do you find the balance between growing what is now a passion of yours and a mission, which is to shine a great spotlight on education, and you're an entrepreneur, and you can do those things and exist simultaneously. How do you find that balance in life? Yeah, I, I think a lot of that balance for me was uh, instilled in me by my parents. And they talked to me about the importance of conversation face-to-face. -face. And the more that I've made videos on the internet, the more that I realize that that's not the end-all be-all. It's all fleeting. It's like chasing after the wind. And I remember when I hit a million followers, I thought back to myself when I was probably 16 years old. I remember thinking that if I could get a million followers, I'll feel pretty satisfied in life. I hit a million followers, and then I sat back and thought, you know what? None of this matters. This could all disappear tomorrow. So it's important to focus on those uh, connections with people, focus on being a good person. And parents really need to have those conversations with their kids. There was a day that I was in church and I was sitting up on the balcony and I could see down at this teenager who was on her phone. And for the hour long service, she never once put her phone down. And I was watching what she was doing. She was never doing something on her phone that seemed like she knew where she was going. It was just constant movement of fingers. It was constantly opening an app, looking at something, closing it, going a new one, opening it, closing it, and then going back to the app that she closed 60 seconds ago and looking at the same stuff and then closing it. And that just showed me that it's so important to make sure that you know the limits that you can take with social media. If you start seeing it as an addiction, which it truly is, you need to put the phone down. You need to turn your phone off, have some time alone, and go outside and go for a walk. Go talk to somebody. And parents need to start having those conversations with their kids and really telling them, like when they're at the dinner table, hey, Jimmy, put your phone away. You don't need your phone out right now because I've seen it uh, long term what happens when all of a sudden the kids become teenagers when they don't have people that are uh, helping them and telling them when to put their phones away. They become addicted to it. And a lot of parents are scared to have those conversations because they're not used to having the phones. And that's fine. I understand that. But they need to start uh, really talking with their kids about that. South Dakotan middle school science teacher and social media phenom Gabe Dannenbring. Thanks for coming today. I appreciate your insights and your humility and your sort of levity around you know, where this fits in your life and where it's kind of frivolity. It's been nice talking to you today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Scott. When are you going to start putting content creator in your bio? <laughs> that, that's what I want to know. Well, as long as you have designated me so, I'm happy to do that now. <laughs> you have been knighted. Uh, you have you, been sir. knighted content creator. <laughs> thank you, Gabe. Great to see you, sir. We'll see you, Scott. Thank you. And we'll see you back here next week for a new conversation on leadership. Leadership.